Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Christmas at the movies is really a way that I think that I've discovered in doing this, a way to refocus us back on the real meaning of Christmas. And it's funny to say it that way, but we all know Jesus is the reason for the season, keep Christ in Christmas, and all that kind of stuff. And it's true, I might be living any of that, but it's easy to lose focus during this season just on other things. It's because of life and all the hustle and bustle and everything happening and where you're at in life. And, and I love the fact that we can redirect focus and attention back to the real meaning of Christmas. And, and I think it's important because I think when it comes to the things of God, we place, place a greater emphasis on Easter, and understandably so. I mean, we're talking about the death, burial, and, and resurrection of Jesus. But understand something, that Christmas time, or what we celebrate anyways, is as significant as that moment because there wouldn't be a vacant tomb without an occupied manger. It wouldn't happen. And in fact, here's what I think. We talk about the sacrifice Jesus made and we celebrate that rightly so. And it's amazing uh, to, to put his life on the line for us, lay it down for us on the cross. But think about the sacrifice Jesus made coming to earth. I mean, the reality is he was in heaven and he left everything in heaven, everything in heaven, the relationship right there with personally, face to face, if you will, with his heavenly father and all the glory of heaven to come down to this broken, dark, lost world because he loved us so much, amen? And so let's not lose sight. So uh, Christmas at the movies is really taking modern day stories, or in this case, something back to 1946 or 47, and not finding necessarily truth in it. Truth will come from the Bible, but help us understand or illustrate some things that will bring truth into the Bible to help maybe it come to life, make sense to us a little bit more. And so today we're going to look at my, my favorite movie, uh, Die Hard. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> The men are all like, what? What do you say, Die Hard? And it's sitting up now, and all right, it's like, oh, man, this is pretty cool. Uh, no, we're actually not doing that. Sorry, I just, I had, a lot of, I had a lot of requests for that one, men. I just want to let you know I'm with you. I'm uh, not doing that today. However, we're looking at probably my favorite holiday movie of all time. It is called It's a Wonderful Life. And I love that. How many have never seen the movie? Okay, all right. Well, God will forgive you. I don't know if I will. Um, <laughs> So, spoiler alert, right there, there you go. And so, um, it's a black and white movie, which is probably why the younger generation hasn't seen it, they don't want it black and white. And, uh, but it was made basically, uh, really, it was after World War II, it came out at the end of 46, beginning of 47, December, January. And so, uh, the idea behind it maybe was to help lift the spirit of the nation and just come back from all the stuff concerning the war, etc. cetera. And um, actually, what was interesting about it, it was a big flop. It bombed at the box office, it lost a lot of money. And so um, it was originally written by a man who was an author, and he was writing a Christmas card, ended up writing a short story, if you will, sent it to 200 of his friends, and then it got discovered and picked up, and a studio bought it, didn't do anything with it, weren't happy with scripts that were written around it, until Frank Capra came and bought it and produced it himself, and then again, it became a big flop. In 1974, however, here's some interesting, uh, it's a wonderful life trivia, um, that someone did not renew the copyright, so it became public property, if you will, and then every TV station started showing it, and that's why it's such the classic that it is today. It was a real disappointment and flop in the day, but today it's become this iconic movie, and it stars Jimmy Stewart and, and Donna Reed. It's just a great story. I really think it's one that really mirrors the Christmas 
story, and I'll explain that as we go this morning. Not all of them do necessarily. They all have a common theme, if you will, uh, a change of perspective or a change of heart. But I think this one really, pull, we can pull some things out, will help illustrate uh, the power of the season that we're in. Now, I say that, it, is it a Christmas movie? Really, it was set in Christmas times, and the movie culminated on Christmas Eve, but I really think it does capture uh, a great aspect of the Christmas story. And so uh, let me give you the opening scene and then we'll roll from there. So let's take a look at this scene. Joseph, Jesus, and Mary, help my friend, Mr. Bailey. Help my son, George, tonight. He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God, something's the matter with Daddy. Please bring Daddy back. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Looks like we'll have to send someone down. A lot of people asking for help for a man named George Bailey. George Bailey? Yes, tonight's his crucial night, you're right. We'll have to send someone down immediately. Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. Earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Then I've only an hour to dress. I really think this is an interesting opening. It really sets the tone for the whole entire movie because here you see a group of people, you hear their prayers for George Bailey. You hear his daughter, his mother, his wife, and some friends. He has no idea that they're praying for him, but nonetheless, there's people praying for him. And then you have this interaction with, with God and then Eeyore or something, the archangel, right? His voice is like, oh, yes, we need to help somebody on earth, God, you know, or whatever. And, and here's what I love about the movie. Here's, here's a group of people praying for a man. He has no idea. And then here's God in heaven that's already aware of the situation. Can I tell you today that maybe today Christmas will be a reminder to you that no matter what you're going through, God knows. And God knows. And in fact, he's talking about, yes, tonight will be his crucial night. And he knows before you ever get there, God is aware of the, of the struggle that you walk in today on the earth. He knows what's going on in life. And he's made provision or a way to help. And so he wants to intervene. Isn't that good news? God's just not up there, just not paying attention. And he's just busy and Christmas and all that. So God is aware of everything that you're walking through in life. And then here's this group of people that George Bailey knows has no idea are praying for him. It just tells me something here that, that, number one, there's people all over that God has put in our life that we have no idea how much they love us or praying for us. And in fact, honestly, that's how God works. He'll put people strategically in your life to pray for you. So when you're in those moments, you have support, you have encouragement there. And let me just make a plug here because it fits. That's why it's important to be part of a church family. Let me take it a step further. That's why it's important to be a part of a small group. So you never get lost. 
because we find ourselves in these moments of despair. And remember, the, the, the time Clarence said right there, he said, so is he sick? And God says, no, worse, he's discouraged. And I thought about this, I thought about because sickness, we talk about sickness as, as far as treatment goes, but discouragement untreated could lead to something worse. And then he goes on to say, he could throw away the greatest gift of all, and that is life. How discouragement can lead to a place of despair, darkness in our heart and our lives if we're not dealing with it, if we're not aware, and be aware. Christmas is a time to be reminded that there is a God in heaven that knows everything that you're going through and facing and is working to help you. He sends help down. He's using people around him. He sends, in this case, Clarence down, an angel, but he's using a position, people to pray. You're not alone. You're not alone. And isn't it true that we're on the other side of that, then there's moments in time that something rises up in us, that there's something going on with somebody else we don't know, but we're praying for them because God does that. Isn't it amazing how God works and does? I think Christmas is a great reminder, number one, that God sees everything you're going through before you even get there, and he's also put people in your life strategically to pray for you and encourage you. So the question ultimately is, here's somebody that seemingly is so loved by people, the prayers that they're praying and the things that even that they're saying, that how can he come to this place that he's contemplating, throwing it all away, quitting and giving up on everything, that he's become so discouraged? And I love this idea in context of the Christmas season, because it's not always a wonderful life. It doesn't seem, in fact, this time of the year seems to magnify those disappointments and discouragement, and it can come from a lot of different things. And in this story in particular, what we see happen is a George really is a man as he starts as a, as a young boy growing up, loving traveling. He has these plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this guy. He's working as a soda shop as a kid, and, and he pulls out a National Geographic magazine out of his back pocket and says, I'm going to be an explorer, and I'm, I'm being inducted into the National Geographic Explorer Society, and I'm going to see the world. And, and all through life, it progresses to these moments of, I can't wait to get out of here. I'm going to travel the world. I have these plans. I'm going to build things and create things. And all along the way, there's these unmet expectations there's these plans and things that George had, had had set his mind, his heart on, had worked his, worked his whole life towards, and seemingly in the moment that it was to happen, it all of a sudden changed because of someone or something else. And I don't know, but maybe that is just really the story of life for a lot of us. Are you where you thought you would be today? Not sitting in church, but in life. What does it look like around the Christmas tree, if you will? What does it look like around the Christmas table? Maybe by now I thought I would be married by now. Maybe I thought I would stay married. Maybe there's an empty chair at the table. There wasn't. Maybe there was a job that you thought you'd have or you thought you'd keep or a level of income or relationship circle. For all of us, probably there's some unmet expectation. And if we don't understand that how God has put himself and positioned himself in life to help us through those moments, then we can slip into this place of despair because of disappointment and discouragement in our life, much like George is facing. Let's take a look. Well, you were born older, George. All right. I say you were born older. I suppose you've decided what you want to do when you get out of college. Oh, well, you know what I've always talked about, build things, design new buildings, plan modern cities, mm. all that stuff I've been talking about. Still after that first million before you're 30, huh? No, I'll sell half that in cash. <laughs> I know it's soon to talk about it. No, no, Pop, I, I, I couldn't. I, uh, I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. The, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Pop, I didn't mean that. I, but I, it, it's this business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents and a length of pipe, I go crazy. I, I want to do something big and something important. I, I've been hoarding pennies like a miser here in order to... Most of my friends have already finished college. I, I just feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, then I'll throw a rock at the old Granville house. Oh, no, don't. I, I love that old house. No, you see, you make a wish and then try and break some glass in. You've got to be a pretty good shot nowadays, too. too. Oh, no, oh, George, don't. It, it's full of romance, that old place. I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Now, watch. There's right in the second floor there, see? What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish, a whole hat full. Mary, I know what I'm gonna do tomorrow, and the next day, and next year, and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm gonna see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know, and then I'm gonna build things. I'm gonna build airfields, I'm gonna build skyscrapers a hundred stories high, I'm gonna build bridges a mile long. Were oh, you gonna throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? I think that's all we'll need you for, George. I know you're anxious to make a train. I have a taxi waiting downstairs. I want the board to know that George gave up his trip to Europe to help straighten things out here these past few months. Good luck to your school, George. Good luck, George. Good luck. Now we come to the real purpose of this meeting. To appoint a successor to our dear friend, Peter Bailey. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to get to my real purpose. Wait just a minute now. Wait Father. for what? I claim this institution is not necessary to this town. Therefore, Mr. Chairman, I make a motion to dissolve this institution and turn its assets and liabilities over to the receiver. Body gets dirty, considerable. I'll read this next time. Yeah, I'll be right down. Huh? Yeah, hey, you'll miss your train. You're a week late for school already. Go on. What's going on? Oh, never mind. Don't worry about that. They're putting us out of business. So what? I can get another job. I'm only 55. 56. Go on, go on. Hey, look, you gave up your boat trip. No, you don't want to miss college, too, do you? George. George. They voted Potter down. What? They want to keep it going. You did it, George. You did it. They got one condition. Huh? Only one condition. What's that? And that's the best part of it. They've appointed George here as executive secretary to take his father's place. Oh, no, but Uncle Billy is... You can is, keep him on, that's all right. As secretary, you can hire anyone you like. Well, Dr. Cameron, let's get this thing straight. I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now. I'm going to school. This is my last chance. Uncle Billy here, he's your man. But, George, they'll vote with Potter otherwise. I know, I know. He didn't go. That's right. Not only that, but he gave his school money to his brother Harry and sent him to college. Harry became a football star, made second team All-American. Yeah, but what happened to George? George got four years older, waiting for Harry to come back and take over the building and loans. Now, there are plenty of jobs around somebody likes to travel. Look at this, here. Venezuela oil fields. Wanted, man with construction experience. Here's the Yukon. What, right here. Wanted, man with engineering experience. There she blows. Old Professor well, Phi Beta George Geographic Explorer All Bailey. American what, no Husky Bailey. dogs, no sleds. Uncle no. Billy, I haven't changed a bit. Nobody ever changes oh, here, oh, you know boy, that. I'm glad to see you. <laughs> Say, where's Mother? She's home cooking the fatted calf. Come on, let's go. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. George, Uncle Billy. I want you to meet Ruth. Hello. Hello. Ruth Dakin. Ruth Dakin Bailey, if you don't mind. That's right. Well, I wired you. I had a surprise. Here she is. Meet the wife. Oh, what do you know? Wife. <laughs> How do you do? Congratulations. Do you do? What am I doing? Congratulations. Oh, Harry. 
what you I'm said. Married I'm married to Why don't you tell oh, somebody? Oh, 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 I can't wait to see tells me anything. You really married? Why, you? What's a pretty girl like you doing marrying this two-headed brother of mine? Well, I'll tell you, it's purely mercenary. My father offered him a job. Oh, he got you in the job. Well, Harry's cup run is over. Uh, George, about that job, Bruce spoke out of turn. I never said I'd take it. You've been holding the bag here for four years, and... Well, I won't let you down, George. I would like to... T well, wait, wait a minute, I forgot the bags. I'll be right back. Does that story sound familiar? There's these dreams and wants and desires and plans and purposes that we pursue, and we pour energy in, we tell everybody about it, and then something happens and something changes, unmet expectations. You know, in this story, as it continues to unfold, every time George has that opportunity, that moment, something happens, his dad dies, and then he stays to take over the, the savings and loan, and then you saw he used the money to send his brother to school. His brother became the All-American star, but he was supposed to come back. Then his brother comes back and took a job somewhere else, and so he's still left here, and then later on, he ends up marrying Mary, and just when they're headed for their honeymoon. He's talking about we're going to New York and then we're going to Bermuda. There's a run on the bank and in all their honeymoon money they send to help, they use to help other people every step along the way. There's this want and desire that he has and pursues and it's left there empty and he's wondering why somebody else, why me? And then we've all been at that moment in time in life. What he misses, unfortunately, which is what I think this movie helps remind us of, of all the good that we're doing in the meantime, because yes, he helped save the savings and loan and help people in their jobs. Yes, he helped send his brother to college and help. We can't overlook the good that our life is doing, and though our plans may not be God's plans, when we operate under God's covering, he blesses us beyond measure. We'll see that in just a short time. So maybe there's a point in time that we need to evaluate where we are in life. Christmas is a great time to look and do that and see where we are in that moment. What are we doing with unmet expectations? Because if we keep bottling it up instead of just surrendering those things into the Lord, it can continue to bring and lead to discouragement in our heart and our life. And see, again, there's things that happen during this time that are magnified than any other time. Everybody else seems to get ahead. Everybody else just seems to have, but maybe I wanted but did not get. And it's those crucial moments that we have to make decisions. We see this all throughout the Bible. Some of our greatest heroes in the scripture walked out this same story. I mean, think about for a moment, Abraham. Abraham was promised to be the father of many nations. He wanted an heir, a son. They were unable to have kids. And all of a sudden, the angel comes on the scene, tells him, you're gonna be the father of many nations. It was 25 years past before that happened. And they were way past the age for anything to happen. And then we see the story of Joseph, not Joseph, uh, uh, the, the husband of Mary, but, but Joseph, the, the youngest of 12 sons. And, and, and he had these dreams, and, and God gave him these dreams that he would be great one day, and he would save his people and all this stuff. But yet, as the young one, he was thrown into the pit, sold into slavery. And then just when it seems like he got out and advanced into Potiphar's house, he was falsely accused. He was put back into prison then. And just when it looked like there was hope to get out because the, the, the baker left and had interpreted his dreams, he was forgotten again over and over again until finally he got out to fulfill that dream and that vision. And then, of course, there's David. David, and he has this, he's been anointed king, and then yet he's running for his life as Saul pursues him for many years trying to kill him. This is a common story. I don't think it's unlike ours today. We all get to this place of moment of unmet expectations. What do we do in those times? What do we do with these feelings and these things that we have that we can't seem to get ahead or we seem to keep going without? Interruptions, delays, changes, disappointment. We each come to a crucial moment in life. Now take a look at Romans 5 for me. Romans 5, one through six says this. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have the peace of God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. If there would not have been 
occupied manger. If Jesus would not have come. See, what happens is in this story, what I didn't show you that clip because I only could take so many, was when they were arguing in the bank and Mr. Potter, who's the villain, Mr. Potter was saying, we need to dissolve this company. One thing George, before he left the room, said, he made this passionate argument that this town needs another option. And I think about this all the time. This world, when God looked down from heaven and seen the, saw the plight of humanity and the brokenness and the darkness and the discouragement, he said, this world needs another option. And so he sent Jesus to occupy a manger and then to be go, grow and to be the savior of the world. And so when we look at this scripture here, it talks about there in verse one, since we've been made right in God's sight, By faith, we have peace of God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems. We can rejoice when we run into unmet expectations and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. They help us build our faith, those moments where it could be despair, discouragement, maybe those moments with the right perspective will enable us to be even more determined. And maybe with God in the picture and providing another option, the problems can become possibilities. And maybe the obstacles become opportunities because of Jesus, because he came and because of his birth and then death. And the endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. God is looking down from heaven and he's seeing our life and he knows the crucial moments and he's he's sending and positioning people to intervene on our behalf. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, amen? Hey, Christmas says he came just at the right time. Wherever you are in life, years of years of perhaps unmet expectations, changes, delays, and interruptions. No, Jesus came just at the right time. And keep your eyes focused on what the real meaning of the season is, that there is a God in heaven that loves and sees our, and loves us and sees our every single day and is not unmoving. And there is people that he's strategically positioned to encourage us and pray for us and support us in our lives. They are there. So we get to George's crucial moment. Let's take a look and see what happens. Good morning, Horace. Uh, I guess you forgot something. Huh? You forgot something. What? Well, aren't you going to make a deposit? Oh, sure, sure I am. <laughs> well, and it's usually customary to bring the money with you. Huh? Oh, shucks. <laughs> I... I... Uh, how about that finger there? Huh? Anyway. Bailey. Bring me back there. Hurry up. Yeah, maybe, right. maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I don't want any. Maybe. We've got to find that money. I'm no good to you. Uncle Billy, look, do you realize what's going to happen if we don't find it? Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Someplace you would have, someplace you hide the money. I've come over the whole house, even in rooms that have been locked since I lost Listen, listen to me. Think, think. I can't think, think. anymore, George. I can't think anymore. It hurts. Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Where's that money? You realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. 
One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. All right, Tommy, stop that. Stop it. Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now, stop it. Stop it. some sort of an accident, my company shortened their accounts. The bank examiner got there today. I've got to raise $8,000 immediately. Oh, that's what the reporters wanted to talk to you about. The reporters? Yes, they called me up to, from your building and loan. Oh, there's a man over there from the DA's office, too, who's looking for you. Please help me, Mr. Potter. Help me, won't you, please? Can't you see what it means to my family? I'll pay any sort of a bonus on the loan, any interest. If you still want the building and loan, I'm... George, I'm, could it possibly be there's a slight discrepancy in the books? No, sir, there's nothing wrong with the books. I've just misplaced $8,000. I can't find it anywhere. You misplaced $8,000? Yes, sir. Well, what kind of security would I have, George? Have you got any stocks? No, sir. Bonds? Real estate? Collateral of any kind? I have some life insurance. $15,000 policy. Yes, uh, how much is your equity in it? $500. $500? And you asked me to lend you 8000 Look at you. You used to be so cocky. You were going to go out and conquer the world. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. What are you but a warped, frustrated young man? Miserable little clerk crawling in here on your hands and knees and begging for help. No securities, no stocks, no bonds, nothing but a miserable little $500 equity and a life insurance policy. <laughs> You're worth more dead than alive. Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so much and ask them to let you have 8000 You know what? jumped in to save George. You what? You're, to save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? I knew if I were drowning, you tried to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. You know what I love about this scene is at, there's a moment that this crucial moment happens in George's life. And where's he going to turn? What's he going to do? And not unlike ourselves, where does he turn? He turns to Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter is like the villain. He is representative of the world. 
And so the reality for you and I is in our moments of great discouragement or despair or stress, a lot of times that's the first place we turn. We're we're looking and how do we make it right? Where do we find our help when we're running to everything else but God? And yet God's up there and his infinite love watching over you, looking to intervene on your behalf, position people round about you to help support you and encourage you. And in that moment, that crucial decision moment, a lot of times we look other places. But we need to be reminded at this time, whether life is good or bad right now, that there is another option, and his name is Jesus. Christmas tells you and I that there is another option. The thing is that we forget it in our moments, and the world doesn't know it at times, and so we have to keep our focus and see what is out there. You know, I, I, that Clarence shows up on the scene, and I love Clarence, I love his character throughout, and indulge me for just a moment, I love that exchange right there, Clarence jumps into the water, that moment that George is there making that decision to throw the most precious gift away, to give up, to quit, and then discouragement and despair. And then in that moment in his greatest darkness, here Clarence dives into the water. And here's what I believe. I believe that this is maybe even a picture of Jesus because Jesus is sent from God. God is watching over, knows there's a crucial moment on this dark and broken world. He sends at just the right time his son Jesus to be that sacrifice. And as Clarence was sacrificing himself for George, Jesus Jesus laid his life out there for us so we wouldn't have to sacrifice, but Jesus did. Clarence said, I'm sacrificed myself so you would be saved. And here's what I love about that because Clarence knew the character, knew what was in George. He knew there was something of value and worth there. Can I tell you, when God looks down in heaven in each and every one of us, he knows what he's created you to be. He knows what he's put inside of you. Don't sell yourself short and don't buy into the lives of the world. Don't listen when the world tells you you're not valuable. Don't listen when the world tells you you don't have enough, you can't do enough, nobody's gonna believe you. See, the world was telling Georgia, go to those people, oh, you won't, basically, you won't go to those people because they're gonna turn their back on you. They're gonna think you cheated them. They're not gonna trust you, that you lied to him and the world just tells us and fills us with a bunch of lies but you were so valuable that Jesus first gave his life because he knew what God created you to be what you could become so there's something inside of each and every one of us God has placed there that we cannot overlook and he's watching from heaven from those moments to intervene and help us on those bridge moments what is your bridge moment are you there now have you been there what does that look like because we all have a bridge moment where what is inside of us is tested, where God has seen something greater in ourselves than we have seen, and greater in us than we have seen in ourselves. And so he sent another option, Jesus, to sacrifice himself so we didn't have to sacrifice. That's the story of Christmas. This world needed another option, and so you see that as he comes out, the wish is granted, and George is in this place of despair to the point where he says, I know if I should be here, I'd be better if I wasn't born. But look at Psalm, Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Even in that moment, God did not give up. Even when he turned to the world for help and did not turn to God, God intervenes. He never quits on you. He never gives up on you. He sees something in you you don't see in yourself and he's ever watching, knows when those moments are gonna come in advance and is positioning things around about you to help you. Even when you're crushed in spirit, he can come and save you. He will never leave us or forsake us, an ever-present help in time of need. The question is, what will we do in our bridge moment? Because there's a storm raging around, so George could either throw himself into the waters, he could quit, he could give up, he could end it, he could deal with it, try and deal with the storm of circumstances, or he can deal with the storm that rages within him. 
who he is and what he should do. Let's take a look at this last clip. You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Oh, well, I, I, I can't... Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if not... you know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? she... Where is she? She's just about to close up the library! George, don't you know me? What's happened to us? I don't know. You let me go. Mary, please. Oh, don't do this to me. Please, Mary. Help me. Where's our kids? I need you, Mary. Help me. Somebody call the police. Somebody hit him on the head with a bottle. Clarence! Clarence! Get out of here! Clarence! Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please! I want to live again! I want to live again! I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George... Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you... <laughs> <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Bert! My mouth's bleeding! Zuzu's pedals! Zuzu... There they are! Bert! What do you know about that? Merry Christmas! Well, Merry Christmas! Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. Reporters, are, where's Mary? Mary, oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary? Mary?
like the fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Harry, how about your banquet in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. <laughs> Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. Out of boy, Clarence. You know, Clarence gives George. Uh, really the gift to see what life would be without him. And, and really, basically, what Clarence gives George is the gift of perspective. And, and really, honestly, isn't that what Christmas is? It puts things in the proper perspective. That God looked down on humanity, a lost and hurting world, and knew there needed to be another option because this world wasn't going to be able to help him. This world could never save him. There's nothing man could ever do. So he sent his son Jesus so we'd have another option. And so if we will see through the perspective of a life with Jesus, then life can be wonderful. Oh, circumstances can be crazy round about us, and what's interesting to me is when George finds himself once again back on that bridge where he had just had made a decision earlier to kind of throw the greatest gift given life away, he made another decision, and it's because his perspective has changed. But listen, his circumstances didn't change because George went back and you saw in the house, he went back and still owed $8,000. There was still a warrant out for his arrest. There was still a photographer waiting to embarrass him and humiliate him and wreck and ruin his character. It was still a drafty old house that still had a piece that came off the banister every time he went up the stairs. His circumstances didn't change, but George changed. And isn't that the Christmas story? The circumstances around about us may never change, but we can change. We can change because of the gift of Jesus. And we don't have to live life in fear and worry about the circumstances. We don't have to live life in discouragement out of unmet expectations if we will keep the right perspective. Because see what happened at the end of the story, and I so wish I had more time to show more of the clip, is that in his time of need, all these people started coming through his living room and dumping piles of stuff. The same riffraff, if you will, as the world would see, the ones that Potter said, you need to run to, but he was too embarrassed. The people that were around him that knew his life and knew who he was loved him more than he ever realized, and maybe the miracle is found in the people round about us. But yet within us in that moment, if we lose perspective in our moment of disparagement, discouragement and despair, we will isolate ourselves and we'll push those people away. We'll hurt the ones that we love. In that bridge moment, what changed in George was his heart, not his circumstances. And every time we get to this time of, this, this time of the year, whether it be a good year or a bad year, we need to make sure that our perspective is as it should be that there is a God in heaven that loves us and he's watching over everything we do. He knows those moments, those crucial moments before we ever get there. There are people in our life that God has strategically placed not only to pray for us and encourage us, but to support us and help be the answer for those tough moments in life if we will keep our heart perspective on what this is really all about. See, we know that we live in an imperfect world full of imperfect people, but there's a perfect God in heaven that sent a perfect gift in Jesus 
that was the perfect sacrifice for mankind that gave the gift of perfect love so imperfect people in imperfect places can have the perfect perspective. It's not that circumstances will change, but it is you can see it differently through the perfect love of God, and that is the Christmas story. It says this in Matthew. Let's close with this in Matthew. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Perfect love came to be with us, and in the most difficult of circumstances, the most difficult of situations, they may not be perfect, but we can have that perfect love, and it's that perfect love that'll help us live a wonderful life. See, God never promised us a perfect life, but we can have a wonderful life with his perfect love. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.